much. All right. Yeah, you can remain standing. I, I love the adoration. <laughs> That's funny when people do that, eh? And you should have seen the look on your face. You're like, what? what? <laughs> Folks, I want to tell you, thank you so much, Duncan, for, um, for that. And uh, it's so good to be here. so good to be with you. Um, yes, I'm one of the pastors at the uh, Cash Fire Airport. My official title is <clears throat> Pastor of Evangelism and Outreach. And um, I've been part of the global family, been part of this move of God. Oh, really, I came to the airport church when we were the Toronto Airport Vineyard, and then we were the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, and then we became Catch the Fire Toronto. Man, so I, I've been there. I, was, I, I showed up with my wife when my son, who's 26, was only this big in 1992. Yeah. Wow. So you know what? For those of you who don't really understand what we're talking about, maybe you're visiting, just follow along with us. Um, so when I showed up there, guys, we were, we were a church of about close to 300 at the time. And John and Carol Arnett were my personal counselors. I would go to their house every week um, for, prayer, for prayer ministry. Um, you know, I was a special case to them because I was such a mess. You know, but um, oh my my, it's so good to see what uh, what what God has has done and what what God is doing, folks. I want to take you on a journey this morning, and we're going to have so much fun. And I'm going to trust the Lord, empower you um, to 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 get to where He wants us to 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 go. But I, I've got to say this: first of all, I want to say thank you to um, Murray and Ash, your pastors. Um, Thank you so much, guys, for uh, taking care of me and uh, having me here. It's, it's, it really is a, a, tremendous, a tremendous honor for me to get to know you guys better as well, you know. And uh, having dinner last night, we had dinner last night, and we had so much fun. Um, I won't tell you all the stuff we did, but we had a lot of fun. And uh, thanks, guys. I really, really appreciate it. You know, this morning, I, it just feels like home here. You know, you know, speakers, we're supposed to say stupid stuff, right? You know, to be polite. But I'm being honest with you. I, I, I was saying to Duncan earlier, I'm, I was standing up here for the first service, and I'm looking, I'm expecting to see my wife and kids sitting in the, in the, in the front row. Oh, it feels so much, it feels so much uh, like home. And, um, and, and it should. It should, right? Um, let me also um, just say to uh, Duncan and Kate, uh, I love you guys. Really, really do. You know, you know, folks, there, there are, we, we have a lot of associates in life, don't we? Yeah? And, uh, and, and I think sometimes we call people our friends way too soon. You know, we meet somebody at church and it's like, yeah, that dude, that guy's my friend. He's not your friend. He might be, Right? And sometimes we call somebody, you know, I kind of define friendship as, well, when your kids have beaten, punched my kids in the face and, and, and we've argued and made up, and then, then I think we're on our way to friendship. <laughs> yeah? When you come over to my house and you spill a drink on the carpet, I'm like, 
you know, or my dumb dog leaves hairs on you. That, that's when I think, you know. Oh, don't get me going on my dog. Do not get me going on my dog. Um, yeah, yeah. This couple are, are my, my friends. You know, church, I, I, have, I, I, have, I have five men in my life. I have five men in my life that at any time of the day or night, I know, I know that if, if I'm hurting, if I'm in trouble, if, Debbie, if my wife kicks me out of the house, <laughs> I know that I can call them and, and they'll be there for me. And Duncan is, is one of those men. And um, it's such, a, such an important, precious thing in our lives, folks. I want to tell you, the, the body of Christ is, 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 all about, is all about Jesus linking us together, yeah? Come on. And um, I want to share with you today, I want to share with you, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And I want to talk to you about him and how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is and how he's the type of Lord who gives us a mission but models how we ought to accomplish it. Don't you love that? You know, when you were younger, remember your parents would say to do certain things and, <laughs> and half the time you wouldn't know how to do it, you know? You ever had a boss like that? <laughs> get this done. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Just get it done, you know? And isn't it good to know? Well, I want you to know that our God isn't like that. Jesus, before he levitated off of planet Earth, took his disciples out into a field, yeah? With a gaping hole in his side. No blood left in his body. They could, they could lift his cloak and they could see right into his internal organs that were probably graying and walking through walls and feeding and eating. And, and then he, he takes them out after his resurrection to a field and... and, and and, and, and before he leaves, he knew it would be the last words that he would utter to them. If it were your last day and you had your loved ones around you, what would be the last words you'd say to them? You know, I asked that question once and this guy who was really spiritual, I, I really could have slapped him, you know. Because he wasn't being honest. He said, oh, I'd prophesy over everybody and I'd speak into the, you know, folks, you know what you'd do? First of all, you'd be crying. And then you'd want to pour out of your innermost guts everything that you want to say to those that you love. Yeah? No? I know if I had my wife and my three amazing kids around me, it was my last time before I saw them and I knew I was going to leave. Oh, dear, I would look them deeply in the eyes and I would just want to speak into their lives things that they would carry forever. I love you. You're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, man, oh, man. What did Jesus tell them? He said, go and make disciples of, of, of all nations. The most important thing on his heart 
he left with him before. And then, and then what happens? Then, then he just... And they're just standing there watching him. Folks, I'll tell you, this whole thing, this sort of erroneous teaching that's out there, Jesus was, listen, there's a man in heaven right now, a man with a body in heaven. And he levitated, oh my goodness. But the last thing he said to them was, go make disciples of all nations. Folks, I want to say this to you. My dear brothers and sisters, the most important thing on the heart of God is that his children by creation become his children through redemption. The reason Jesus came and died was not to establish a religious order. We can relegate that to somebody like Muhammad. We can, you know, all, all of those other great uh, religious figures. But no, no, no. The reason Jesus came, the reason he died on the cross, was buried, and he came back from the dead, the reason for that is so that all of humanity could come into relationship with the living God. Folks, we're talking about, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but just bear with me. We're talking about eternity. There's three things that are eternal. Three things. The Word of God. This Word, in my 15-pound Bible, the Word of God endures forever. Forever established in heaven. Oh, let's get rid of the Bible. You can't. You, you, you can't. You can't because it's, it's more than just paper and, and ink. The Word of God is eternal. The second thing that's eternal is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is eternal. Whether we want to get into it or not, it doesn't make a difference. The kingdom of God is eternal. God's kingdom is forever established. Forever and ever and ever. But there's a third thing that's eternal. And that is the souls of men. That's how God designed us. That that part of us is going to live forever. And the scripture says this. God was so in love with the world that he displayed his love for the world in that he gave his only son to die. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I think about salvation, sometimes it confuses me. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm going to be really honest. If any of us can actually grasp the mystery of godliness. You're much better than I am. Why is it a mystery? Why is it so confusing to you, Curtis? Because I, I can't understand why God would give his very own self to die for, for, for humanity that hates him. Very rarely will someone die for a good, a, a good person, although perhaps one, once in a while someone might dare to die for, for a, a, a good man. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. While humanity was running and still is running in their own way, 
Because you know, guys, here's the deal. Do you know God doesn't see time the way we do, right? Oh, the mystery of godliness. He doesn't. You know, he sees time as a, like a vector, you know? What's a vector? It's like, I guess in one sense, I studied physics for, you know, three years. Oh, God, three years of my time that I'll never get back. And, um, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a particle that, that you can measure traveling through space, right? And that's how God sees things. So how could the Bible say that even when we were sinners, yet Christ died for us? Wait a minute. I thought he died 2,000 years ago. <laughs> well, I guess, but when you are God, you see things differently, yeah? And he sees the beginning over here, and he sees the end over here all at once. Oh, Jesus. Because he created it all. God operates outside of it, and he decides when he wants to step into it, I think I'll step into it. I'm going to take on the form of flesh. And he steps into it, he steps on the line, and then he can step out of the line. As a matter of fact, he's on it and out of it at the same time. But you can't really use the word time because he's outside of it. He created it. See what I mean? But here's what we do know. We do know that something happened to you one day. Something happened to me one day. When I said, yes to what I was hearing and what was starting to stir inside of me. And this God who's outside of time came to live inside of Curtis. <laughs> and I've never been the same. And neither have you. Neither have you. Now, I want you to imagine this. Get a vision for this. Could you imagine if that happened to every single person that you know it hasn't happened to yet. Come on, Lord. Oh, Jesus. So I want to talk about that. How? How, how is that going to happen? Okay, let me start off by doing this. And then we're going to take a look at Jesus. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah? About six people think that's fine? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Let's put it this way. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Group participation. How many of you came into an experience with Jesus. You became born again. You were converted. Christ is now living in you. You got to really define that clearly here in this area of the world, don't you? Because everybody's a Christian. Well, let me tell you, not everybody's a Christian. How do you define whether or not you're a Christian? Oh, well, we're going to go there. In John chapter 3, Jesus is met by this Pharisee named Nicodemus, yeah? How many of you remember him? So Nicodemus meets Jesus at night. For your reference, you want to maybe jot that down, John chapter 3, verse 1, right through to 18. And the Pharisee comes to him and he says, Hey, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God because nobody could perform these miraculous signs unless God was with him. Yeah? So what was he doing? He's trying to, you know, blow Jesus up. Right? He comes to him at night. Why at night? Well, because maybe he was a little bit concerned about his reputation. We know that. We're all good Bible scholars. You've read those sort of references before. 
But then Jesus levels him, right? What does Jesus say to him? He doesn't say, thank you so much for the accolades. That made me feel so good. It built me up, you know, because I had a bit of self-esteem issue. No, no. <laughs> Jesus went right after it, and he said this. He said, unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. <laughs> what, what is that all about? See, folks, there's a difference between what we classically call religion and a religious experience and the kingdom of God. And the message of being born again, I want to challenge you to find it more than two or three times in reference in the New Testament. Because here's the deal. It's not about being born again as if that is the end of the experience. It's not. It's the beginning of the experience. Jesus wasn't highlighting to Nicodemus, follow me now, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again to get into the kingdom. No, no, no. It was you got to be born again to get into the kingdom. Yeah? So what is God calling people to? What he's calling us to is relationship with him, experiencing his rule and reign. And the way you get it is by being born again. Yeah? So are you born again? How do we help people to experience that born-again experience? Folks, I want to share a, share a little bit of a, a story with you. But before that, let's do, let's do a little survey. Let's do a little survey. How many of you have come to Jesus as a result of turning on the television one day, all by your lonesome, and you saw someone preaching on the TV yeah, and they were preaching away and they presented the gospel and you felt conviction and you prayed the sinner's prayer by virtue of watching an evangelist on TV. Let me see your hands. Okay, okay, okay. One person. How many of you were walking through a park one day or you were walking, minding your own business and there was a church that was in the park or on a street corner or as a street preacher and they were playing music or the guy was preaching on a street corner and you just stopped and you listened to him or her and they did a gospel presentation right on a street corner all by yourself or walking through a park or public place and you heard the gospel presented and you gave your life to Christ? Anybody? Okay. One person. How many of you were, I don't know, maybe you were on business or something, or you're going somewhere and you went to, uh, you stopped at a hotel and you, you know, opened the drawer and there's a good old Gideon Bible and you, you or, or you just dusted a Bible off of a shelf and you read it all by yourself and, and somehow or another you were led to the portions of Scripture that talks about being uh, being saved and you, you, you came to Jesus because you read the Bible by yourself. Anybody? Ha, one person? Okay. Um, all right. H how, how many of you are saved here? <laughs> Almost forgot to ask that. <laughs> Just thought to make sure that we're not dealing with the, you know, the Jehovah's Witness or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. You know where I'm going with this, don't you?
How many of you came to Christ because someone engaged with you one-on-one, either became your friend or out of relationship, led you to Christ or brought you to a meeting where you surrendered your life to Jesus? How many of you? Look, look around you, folks. Look around you. I want to say this to you. Is it possible that the revival that you and I are looking for is sitting right in the seat where, that you occupy? I say yes. Is it possible that if you and I could just turn that love on and intentionally, intentionally engage with people that are in our world intentionally, instead of withdrawing from people, that we engage them without being afraid of connecting to them, is it possible that we could see Cash the Fire Raleigh double in the space of a year or two? I want to say to you, the answer is yes. I'm not talking theory here, folks. I want you to know something. You know what my impression of the Jesus movement was? This is just Curtis's impression. I'm not a church historian or anything, but in my observation and my reading, what I've noticed with the whole Jesus movement, you know, the whole Jesus hippie movement, what I noticed was it was, it was such a high watermark. And then it just died. And you know what I feel? You know what I think happened? What I think happened was the predominant message of the imminent return of Christ, that message constantly rang out. He's coming, he's coming, get ready, 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 get ready, and everybody went, where is he? And eventually, I think what happened was because that predominant message of the imminent return of Christ, it was like, he's coming, get ready. But he didn't come. And eventually what happened was, because the mothership didn't land, people lost hope. I want to say this to you. You and I are the mothership. What do you mean by that, Curtis? Here's what I mean. Here's what, let me just preface that by saying this. I think sometimes we think that there is this thing that's going to happen. You know what I mean? The thing? Come on, charismatics. You know what I mean? The thing. And we hear about people talking about the thing that's coming. All this thing that's coming. All this wave that's coming. All this, this, this. When it comes. Oh, Jesus, when it comes. I'm going to tell you something. It ain't coming. You are the thing. You are the wave. Folks, I want to tell you something. I remember Rodney Howard Brown, name, ancient name. Maybe you don't even know who that is. Anyways, he's a dude. And this guy, I remember one time he said years ago, he says, he said, you want to have revival? Then have it. And I remember, Duncan, I remember going back and going, how can he say? Oh, I get it. My dear brothers and sisters, I'm going to share a couple of stories with you. I want you to know something. You and I need to make room in our lives for the Holy Spirit to move through us and engage with people that are in our world. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus doing that with the woman at the well. 
Again, you want revival? Have it. You want to see harvest? Have it. Because the fields are white. There are people everywhere. Oh, Curtis, you don't know what the South is. I don't care what the, I don't care. There's nothing hard for him. Nothing hard for him. And I'm not saying that because, oh, I'm such an anointed guy. Listen, I know that to be true. You know what I have discovered? Here's what I've discovered. When I have purposefully and intentionally engaged with people and allowed, allowed God's love to come and flow out of me, listen, I have rarely seen anyone resist the love of Jesus. Rarely. I was in a store the other day, and... Um, I don't know, went in there, I was going, I went in to buy a bicycle pump, right? So I went in to buy a bicycle pump, and one of the things that I try to do, folks, is this. Here's what I try to do every single day. I wake up and I say, Lord, who can I love today? Not who can I preach to. Who can I love, who can I connect to today? I want to tell you something. I've seen more miracles, more salvations in people's lives when I have lived my life that way, then when I, listen now, listen to me carefully, then when I plan to assault people with the truth. What do I mean by assault people with the truth? Well, one day I was in a, I'll, I'll get back to the store in a second. One day I was in an elevator years ago and there was a guy on the other side of the elevator and the door closed and I was like, you know, time for lunch. I was, I'm getting him now. I'm getting this guy, right? Door closes. So I turned to him and I said, sir, I want you to know something. I want you to know Jesus died on the cross and he loves you. Know what this guy did? Never forget it as long as I live. He stared straight into my face. And he said, that's good. How am I supposed to know that? And I stood there. And I, 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 I couldn't say anything to him. Because I realized that I had just assaulted him with the truth. Now, dear friends, please do not hear me wrong. Are you saying, Curtis, we shouldn't preach the gospel to people? I'm not saying that. I'm not a fool. But what I am saying is this. The majority of you in this place, and I've done this survey in 25 different nations that I've been in, only 1% to 2% of people are in church today because somebody randomly preached to them. 98 to 99% of us are here because someone took a, listen to me now, someone took a step into you, not a step away from you. And what I am proposing to you, my dear brothers and sisters, is we need to structure our lives and our church around that reality that we changed our culture. What is culture? Culture is behavior. I come from the West Indies. I come from Trinidad. I was born in Trinidad. I came to Canada when I was two years old. I'm Canadian, by the way. You can tell by how I'm talking, right? Yeah, sorry. Hey. And um, 
Yeah, I came, I came when I was two years old. And you know what? Our culture, Trinidadian culture is very different. Everything's about celebration. Everything, everything. If you get a divorce, we throw a party. <laughs> if you get married, we throw a party. We eat, we drink. If you're happy, we party. If you're sad, we, we, every, everything. We, we party, we party, party, party. And you know what? It was amazing because my wife is, is not Trinidadian. She's, you know, quarter native and half French Canadian. And I remember when she came into our family for the first time, she was like, you know, the Queen of Sheba, you know, she was like, whoa, you guys are so different, you know. <laughs> what is culture? This is how I define culture. People like us, we do stuff like this. That's culture. People like us, we do stuff like this. Yeah? Now I want you to think about that. There's good parts to that, and then there's parts that need to be adjusted. Yeah? So let's think about our culture. Let's think about your culture as a Christian. One of the things I believe that you and I have been taught, not as catch the fire, okay, but we kind of pick up is when we look at the world, you know, those guys over there that we have to kind of tolerate, we see them two ways. We see them as objects to be avoided. Oh, we can't let them slime us. Ooh, oh, gross. That pagan slime got on me. Yeah? Or we see them to be objects to be conquered. Don't you know Jesus loved you so much the least you could do for him is preach to anything that moves. Yes! Hey, you, you need to come. You know, yeah. Well, I want, you to, I want you to know something. I want you to know something. That Jesus doesn't see people that way. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah? The world, the world, people are not objects to be avoided or to be conquered. You know, you know who they are? They are human beings like you and I who, unless we engage them, will never touch and feel and know and hear about the love of God. So I'm in the store the other day, and one of the things I've always said to the Lord was, every single day, I want to engage somebody. You know, if my family was here, they, they would tell you that that's true. My wife, it drives her nuts. No matter where I go, no matter where I go, my kids always joke, Dad, come on, again? Again? Like, can't we not just go out and have some time without you gathering a whole bunch of people around you? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just can't help it. I just love people. Hey, guys, guess what? Do you remember the Pharisee that came to Jesus and said to him, what's the most important commandment of the law? Remember that, remember that guy? He's, he's, do you see a picture of him in your mind? <laughs> Trying to trick Jesus, right? One of the most powerful revelations of truth came out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus in that interaction with that man. What did Jesus say to him? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And then he says, and the second commandment is like the first. Wait, 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 wait. If I was him, I would have said, I'm not asking you about the second one. Do you recall that? Do you recall that? He only asked him about the greatest. What's the first and greatest? You ever notice Jesus? I just love him that way. Yeah. Jesus, you're great, you're great, you're great. Unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Oh, here we go, right? 
He asked them for one commandment, and Jesus said, and the second one is like it. Oh, why did he do that? You know why? Because if you look into the original language, it literally means, and you know what the second commandment is, right? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, watch this. The original language literally means that you can't have one without the other. You know what it's like? You know, in, 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 it's literally like a revolving door. When you go in one way, you, you can't help but go out the other. You, go, you, go, you can't help but go. It hinges on each other. Curtis, what are you saying? Okay, here's what I'm saying. Your indication of your passionate love for God is love for people. Oh, dear. Dear friends, if you love people, I think we're going to be really surprised who we find in heaven. Don't you? So, so I, I ask the Lord all the time, Lord, I, I just, you know, fill me. I just love people, folks. I just love people. And I, and I, see, that as, I see that as maturity. Not that I, you know, I can, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. You know, the Pharisees knew the Bible. They knew the Old Testament forwards and backwards. But if Jesus shows up, they didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was. What's the maturity test in our lives? And this is coming from an evangelist now. It's that we love people. And when you love people, you don't love them because they can give something to you. I have relationships in my life with unchurched people. Do I want to see them come to Christ? Oh, gosh, guys. I make time. I set time aside. I, I get rid of Christian friends so that I can spend time with them. Of course I want to see them come to Christ. But if they don't, what does that mean to me? I love them anyways. How about you, church? I want to encourage you. Engage. Now, very quickly, Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus jumps through four or five hoops. I call them hoops. Yeah, hoops, really, or maybe hurdles. Jesus jumps through all sorts of things before he even presents truth to this woman. Yeah? Sometimes we think that our only interaction with people in the world, listen, church, I want to free you. I want to free you to harvest the world. And the way we do it is by allowing the Spirit of God that's in us to flow out of us to everyone around us. But listen, listen, listen. Many times that begins with Hey, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink? What is that? It's the first thing Jesus said to the woman at the well. He didn't say to her, I'm the Messiah and I'm here to read your mail. <laughs> By the way, you've had five husbands and the one that you now have isn't your husband at all. He didn't start that way. He didn't start by saying, I'm the Messiah sitting here. Did you know that? That's the last thing Jesus did. Was present truth to this woman. 
the last thing he did. The first thing he did was make contact with her on a non-spiritual level. What's a non-spiritual level look like for you and me? You know what it looks like? Come on, church, come on. Put a smile on your face. Engage with that old lady in the grocery store that you know is having trouble pushing her cart. Be mindful of that single mom. You know the one who's got the groceries she's carrying it all the time? Be mindful. Smile. Engage. Love people without any strings attached. I was in the store and these two Indian people, when I say Indian, I mean from India, right? And I'm in the store and they're shopping and they got that, you know, she's got the niqab, right? You know? The dreaded niqab, you know, the one that we're so terrified of because she's going to blow up the store. Folks, let's get our heads, give our heads a shake. Give our heads a shake. People need to experience the love of Christ. They're not going to experience it by us getting on our soapboxes. They're going to experience it by us reaching out to them. You know the what would Jesus do bracelet? I hate that thing. I really do. I think it's a bad thing for us to be in the position where we would we think, what would Jesus do in this situation? That's not the Christian life. It's not. It's being led by the Spirit. What would Jesus do? Well, I do it, you know why? Because he's leading me, he's in me, he's, his love is motivating me to do it. Not because I'm sitting here thinking, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Mm, I don't know, well, yeah, let's, no. No, 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 no. No. So you know what I did? <laughs> they were trying on, and you know, I mean, these guys, they, 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 they weren't smiling. Maybe the reason they weren't smiling is because they know nobody likes them. And and, and she's, she's taking out these hats and, and he's hesitantly putting it on his head because he's concerned people are seeing him. You know, they're trying on a hat. And um, I walked up and um, I, walked, I walked past them and then I thought, no, engage. Don't be like everyone else. I walked past and then I turned around and walked back and I said, that hat looks really good on him. And you know what she did? You know what they did? They just started, they just lit up and started smiling. And said, yes, I know, I know, that one looks good. <laughs> Folks, what is that? Is that testimony worthy? How do we change culture? Culture is behavior. Is that testimony worthy? Or would you prefer, would you prefer that I end that by saying, and she had a limp, and I slapped my hand on her hip, and her leg straightened out, and they knelt before me and said, what must I do to be safe? Oh, you would like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> follow me, follow me now, follow me. Didn't happen didn't happen. But I want to tell you something. How many of us on a regular basis experience that kind of a testimony? Hear my heart now. Hear my heart. 
You and I do not have a right to pull anyone out of a wheelchair unless we are first willing to ask them how they got there. But you see, you see, sometimes, sometimes, we, 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 we think that the high watermark testimonies are the thing that really matter. <laughs> so guess what happens? Guess what happens? You and I, well, maybe I'm not in that classification because I sit up front. So I'm the guy who brings the high watermark testimonies, yeah? And you know what you do? You sit and go, did you, did you hear that? Whoa, that was awesome. He raised 25 people from the dead before he even got out of bed. Wow. <laughs> right? And we hear these amazing testimonies. Are, 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 they, are they lying? No, they're not lying. They're not lying. But it's not where you live every day. So if we're going to see people coming to Christ... And that's our standard. We might as well quit before we start. So, what are you saying, Curtis? So, healings, miracles, signs and wonders. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be desirous of those things. We shouldn't go after those things. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what we need to do is go after engagement with people. And the healings and the miracles and the signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Yeah? So let's do this. And I've got one, one more story that I'm going to end. I did read out of the Bible, right? Yeah, okay, because I don't want to be criticized and get in trouble for not reading out of the Bible. So i got one more, one more story after this. So what we need to do, what, we, what, what, what I want us to begin to do is to structure, to change our culture, not change, add to our culture, where instead of us waiting, 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 until the big high watermark testimonies start coming. Because that's not where you live. You see? So you've disqualified yourself. What I want us to do is I want us to go from there and go down to here and just start engaging with people. Share a story with you and then I'm going to close. A couple of months ago, at our church in Toronto. I love greeting. I just love people to a fault, guys. I really do. And, and my favorite thing to do in our church is not to lead leadership meetings. It's to greet on Sunday. I just love it. I love kissing babies and rubbing their hair and getting hugged by beautiful women. And oh, Did I say that? No, just kidding. I, I, I love it. I love shaking hands and hugging. I just love greeting. I really do. Literally, there's times when I'm supposed to host and I forget that I'm supposed to be up on the stage because I'm out front greeting. I don't know. I'm just a sucker for people. Actually, I think Jesus was like that too. Yeah. So, so I'm greeting and this, this Indian lady, again, a woman from India, comes walking in with five other people and she comes walking in and I greeted her. I, you know, she comes in smiling. She's about 65. I said, hi, how are you doing, sweetheart? So good to have you here with us today. You know, welcome. If there's anything I can do for you, just, you know, don't hesitate to ask any of us. And she's, thank you, thank you. She's like this. And then she just walks off. Right? I'm greeting. I'm greeting. I'm greeting. I'm greeting. I turn around. She comes back. She says, 
Can you tell me um, how you, you, you know um, Punjabi? Punjabi is a language. I said, what? She said, you greeted me in Punjabi when I came to the door. I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> she goes, yes, you did. I said, no, I didn't. She said, yes, you did. We were arguing back and forth. She said, when, you, when I came to you and you shook my hand, you greeted me in fluent Punjabi. And then I just kind of stood there and kind of went. And then she walked off. <laughs> what? So anyway, so I go into the service. I'm standing up at the front, you know, and, and she's about five or six rows behind me. And, and she fall, I saw her fall out under the power of God, and she's lying on the, on the, on the, on the ground. And, um, and I did the altar call that day, and kind of made a call for people to give their lives to Christ. And then, you know, in our, what we do at the airport is we take people off into a side room so we could spend time with them and pray for them and stuff like that. And she came. So I'm standing there because I'm in charge of the team. So I'm not sitting down. I'm standing there kind of overlooking the team as they're ministering to people. And then she comes walking up to me and she says this. She says, young man, you greeted me in fluent Punjabi. You said, hello, how are you, my dear? It's nice to have you. I said, sweetheart, I do not know another language. You know what she said to me? She said this. She said, I knew that you do not know that language. And the fact that you greeted me in my mother tongue, she said, Jesus has been working in my heart for many years. She's a Muslim. And she said, and I know that when I give my life to him, it's going to cost me everything. And when you spoke to me in my language, I knew that it was my time. It was a sign from God, and it was my time to say yes to him. Now, the story doesn't end there. Two months later, I'm up in another church, one of our Catch the Fire churches north of the city, and I'm preaching. And I shared this story. And when I shared the story, right in the middle of the, of the, of the crowd, a woman jumps up, she goes, like right in, my, right in the middle of my preaching. She jumps up, she goes, she goes, that was my mother, that was my mother. She goes, I was there, I was there. And then she says, and because of my mother, of the miracle with my mother, He's here today. And she points to her husband, and he gets up and says that he gave his life to Christ as a result of that. And he's a Sikh. Oh, my gosh. Come on, folks. Signs and wonders. Now, here's, here's, here, here, here's, here's the thing, though. Here, here's the thing. I wish that it was because of my anointing. Because then I'd write a book, I'd be, I'd be making money already. I wish it was because of how gifted I am. But now, would you consider that to be a high watermark testimony? 
Okay, but here's the thing, and here's what I want to leave you with. It didn't start there. It started because Curtis loves greeting and kissing little old ladies. It started because I just love connecting with people. Now, church, please stand. Please. Delane just asked me if you've read her letter, Dunk. She just texted me. My daughter. Folks, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can do this, can't we? Now, listen. I'm not going to assume that you're not doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I know you're doing it. But I want to empower you. And I want to give you permission to just connect with people. And see where God takes you. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful, so grateful for who you are, so grateful for your love. So grateful that you reside within us. Man, I tell you what, I just see, I just see like light bulbs just, just going off in, in so many of you right now as the Holy Spirit is giving you permission mission to engage in the harvest. Yes, 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 yes. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it, do it, do it. Allow the love of God to flow through you in a smile, in a gesture of, 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 of just a hand on a shoulder, just in a how are you today, just in a hey, why don't you come over for coffee, just in a hey, when can we get together and allow the Holy Spirit to see where he takes you. Now, I want to just say this to those of you out there that here today and you've never given your life to Jesus well you know what you're feeling I don't want to belabor the point you know what you're feeling right now Jesus died on the cross was buried and came back again from the dead and his resurrection means that he has purchased a place for you and I to experience true rest not experienced that, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you have not experienced that and you've never prayed this prayer of receiving Jesus into your life, I want you to do that. Just say, Father, and I just thank you for your love right now. Come on, just let it go. Just let it flow. Just say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. I give my life to you right now. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you were buried, and that you have been raised from the dead. I believe that you're alive, and I ask you to come into my life right now. Come into my life, O Spirit of the living God, so that I may be born again. Thank you. From this day forward, I can enjoy your kingdom forever. All right. If you pray that, I want to give you an opportunity as the service ends. Come and see one of our leaders, one of our pastors. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you some more. Thank you, Father. I'm going to turn the service over.